0: This is Dak Prescott, and you're listening to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome to Faith on the Field Show. I'm Rob Motti, going solo this week without my beautiful wife, Remy. It is great to be with you on all of our radio affiliates across the country. And as always, if you're listening to the podcast, we truly appreciate that as well. Our guest this week is... Former New York Giants linebacker Mark Herslick, he's got a tremendous story in college, at Boston College. He overcame a rare form of bone cancer, eventually was went to the Giants. He was signed as an undrafted free agent, played almost a decade in the NFL, was part of a Super Bowl championship team. Now he's doing tremendous work with International Justice Mission, uh, our friends over there who continue to fight against human trafficking. And He's going to be at the Super Bowl doing some wonderful, outstanding, terrific, he's awesome at what he does, and he's going to do some interviews for us too at Radio RL, because I am absolutely slammed this week, next week at the Super Bowl. It's just incredibly busy period for me in my role, and uh, I'm not going to be able to, to do anything along those lines, but... Mark's going to be able to do. Let's talk to some players for us for Faith on the Field for uh, at Radio Row while I do numerous, numerous different roles that I, I'm filling. But it's part of what I want to talk about this week. And what I want to talk about this week is imperfection, busyness, how messy things get for us as I'm preparing to do... Literally, a few minutes ago, I have to open a door in my office, go downstairs or go to the top of the stairs and yell at the kids to be quiet because they're working on, they're doing some schoolwork and they're yelling and they're screaming. It, it, things get messy. Things get so messy. Things get messy at work. Things get messy at home. Things get messy wherever we are in our normal day. Our lives are busy, our lives are filled with obligations, with commitments, with different opportunities that may come along, but also sometimes you can't even get a moment to pursue some of those because you're too stuck or trapped or working in where you are. So I want to talk about imperfection a little bit and how even though, see, none of us are, are we we say this all the time, none of us are perfect. We're all imperfect people and only Jesus was. But the truth about being a Christian is that, and this is what I love about it, and I, I see so many different points that are contentious, that people discuss, that are controversial, that may turn some folks off to Christianity. Here's what we really all need to know about Christianity is that we don't have to be perfect to fit in. We don't have to try and live this Instagram lifestyle where you use the filters and you, you put up like, if I if I were to show you right now what I look like, I'm a mess. <laughs> I have it. Uh, and, and that's not a picture that I would be posting, but I'm also not doing filters, but, There's this idea that you only see the perfect side of people on social media. I think we should start showing off our messiness or our imperfection. And I've been no stranger and not shy about talking about the issues that I've overcome and the imperfections in my life and the sins of my past and the sins of our everyday. But the Bible tells us in romans five eight Paul writes that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us while we were all still sinners and continue to be Jesus died for us to take us from our to free us from our sin because he knew we can't do it on our own. see we're all going to make mistakes we all have different struggles, we all have various issues, some more serious than others. Yet, who's to tell one person what they're dealing with isn't as important as what someone else is dealing with. See, I feel like no matter what we're going through, that's the tough part that we have to deal with and overcome. And if we put it in a, a little box and in a little capsule, no matter how small or big it may be, it's it can bring you down. It can overtake you. So Jesus still died for us. And when we accept that gift, and when we confess our faith and accept him as our, our Lord and Savior, we're saved. So we shouldn't accept our imperfection. Sometimes I hear people say, and, and I'm guilty of this all the time, saying, well, that's just the way it is. That's just who I am. That's just how I am going to be. Or we're always late. We're just the late people. Or, or we're always this and that's just. We don't have to accept our imperfection. And refuse to fix it. Refuse to make corrections. Think about it in, in terms of football. And, and the Super Bowl. Or any sport really. If teams don't work on the areas that they they need to correct it. They need to fix protecting the ball, blocking better, tackling better. We see so much so much sloppy tackling. It's crazy. And and that's part of what the NFL has evolved into, but the better tackling teams are going to be more successful. Teams that can run the football, teams that can protect the ball and not turn it over and it's a pass heavy league obviously and I can go down this entire path but talk about sports you have to practice your craft and fix your mistakes and fix your corrections so while we know that we were sinners we make mistakes we're imperfect we shouldn't accept it and say okay that's just who I am no make those make those correct make those corrections and The expectation, however, that we're supposed to be perfect because we are Christians, that part to me is so off and so wrong because it's unrealistic and it's not attainable and no one should ever think their imperfection excludes them from receiving God's grace. So... striving for achievement and hoping for being the best that you can be in everything that you do. That's great. That's awesome. But we should never walk around with this. I'm perfect because I'm a Christian attitude. No, I'm a Christian because I'm imperfect. I'm a Christian because I need God's grace. I'm a Christian because I know that Jesus died for my sins And I accept him, and I accept the truth, and I know that that's the only way for salvation is through him. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, it says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. That's the truth. We're far from perfect. But being Christians means we're supposed to be different, to think differently, to act differently. To love like Jesus loves, to forgive like Jesus forgives. So as we go back to our messiness, our imperfections, what being constantly on the go and, and busy is like, I can't wait for February 13th. So fly back from Vegas on Monday the 12th. I plan to do nothing on Tuesday I believe it's Tuesday, right? Tuesday the third. I plan to do nothing. I just, I don't want to do anything because I've been so on the go constantly for the past seven months. When, when does training camp start? July? Yeah, seven months or so. There's emails that I still haven't answered. There's text messages. There's so much. And, and there's a mess in my office on my desk right now. I want to get to that. And I, I want to go to a tea party with my daughters. We got, got a daddy-daughter dance that we're going to go to also. Like, I'm excited for these things. And trying to get to that point, man, my imperfections are are standing up. They're standing out. I'm making mistakes. some. Yelling and screaming sometimes, and I'm getting angry and agitated and annoyed, and you gotta take a step back and understand it's it's all right it's okay, I get it. don't accept it I'm gonna try and be better in those moments. I'm certainly gonna fight for that try try and do better try and but also understand that hey God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we all have our issues, we all have our struggles, but Jesus died for us. So when we accept that gift, we confess our faith and accept him as our Lord and Savior, we're saved. And that's the first part of winning the battle while we are spending this time here on earth. I hope that inspired somebody today. Up next, you're going to hear from Mark Herzlick. You're listening to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome back to Faith on a Field Show. I'm Rob Motti. If you're listening to us for the first time, you can go to faithonafieldshow.com, find every episode since we launched in 2017. It's approaching seven years that we've been doing this. We've had an incredible lineup of guests. You can listen anytime at your convenience on any of the podcast platforms. If you'd like to be a sponsor for our show and help our ministry grow, please reach out to us at team at faithonafieldshow.com. We have various packages that we can cater specifically to fit your needs. Follow us, be sure. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Faith on the Field. Tell a friend or as many as you'd like about the show. Our goal is to be on a sports radio station in every state. We're never going to give up on that dream or that goal. So we're going to continue to try to pursue that. If you don't have a business to advertise, but you want to help the ministry, we are a nonprofit. You can donate to us at faithonthefieldshow.com. Our guest this week, Mark Herzlich, I talked about in The opening segment played nearly a decade with the New York Giants after signing with them as an undrafted free agent out of Boston College in 2011. He's an incredible story of inspiration, of courage, overcoming a rare form of bone cancer when he was in school. Mark is now the director of Team Freedom, professional athlete and influencer partners for our friends at IJM International Justice Mission. They do tremendous work fighting against human trafficking. Here's my conversation with Mark Herzlich. Mark, great to have you with me this week, and looking forward to your work and your help during the Super Bowl from Radio Row, which is going to be really fun. So I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy some of your conversations that week. But as we get into Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl, and before we look at those games, I'm always I'm the guy who's always noticing the players who before the game, like Patrick Mahomes taking a a, a Taking a knee, praying in the end zone, guys who are gathering around in that prayer circle, and as someone who experienced that and it, during throughout your your career when you played for the Giants, how spiritual of a moment is it before a game? Some guys are firing each other up, some guys are praying. What is that moment like on the sidelines?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's the moment before you, you know you head into battle, right? And it's 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 preparing your heart and your mind, um, to hopefully, right. And just write you prepare your heart and your mind to display the gift that God has given you. Uh, and you know, go out there and, and that's, I always pray like, let me forget about the game. Let me forget about the score. Uh, and let me just go display what the gifts that you've given me. Right. And, um, and that was, that was my approach. and right. That like centered me and, and you get so wrapped up in the, in the commotion of everything that, those types of prayers, just bringing it back to like, look, okay, this is this is just me as a servant of God going out and, and doing something uh, that he has he has destined me to do um, in this moment. That's that's what that's what I love about that because you know, you, you are able to reset on okay, this is about God. Not love.
0: As violent as football is, were you ever? having difficulty reconciling what you're going to go out there and and what your job at the task at hand is and, and playing defense like you did and being on special teams and having to hit and tackle and all that stuff with also kind of that servant mentality, serving God in, in however else you do off the field and everything else that you do in your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we play a, a violent physical sport uh and you know it's um you know i think it, it, it's a sport and it's a game at the end of the day right but you do want to you do want to win and that and that's kind of the objective of it so you know i never had a uh an issue with the the aspect of hey you know my job is to go out there and hurt someone and hit someone right because it's it's, <laughs> it's more so look we just want to play in the game um that that just happens because of it now you know it's also you know, God says, you know, there's a, there's a time and there's a place for everything under the sun. And, you know, not that it's a requirement to be violent to, to play football, right? But, but that's a part of it, right? And that's a part of the game we love and it's a part of, you know, why people watch and why we play. So, you know, I, I, um, I was always okay with that. And, and I know, you know, I talked with a couple of people that, you know, similar type of questions. You know, they're in the military and they're going off to war, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a whole different level to that because that, that really is life and death. We just go out there and we play a game.
0: What's always so cool that I see, Mark, is after games when guys from both teams get around, gather around, hold hands, take a knee, midfield, and, and they pray. And like 10 minutes prior, they're out there beating each other up, tackling each other. And now you see so many guys exchanging jerseys and signing each other from – from different teams. First of all, from that aspect of it, the, the Jersey exchange. Now you played from 11 to 16. I think it's kind of, it's a little bit different and we're only seven, eight years later from your time on the field, but you see more of that now. Was was that common when you were playing a decade ago, that guys would exchange jerseys and sign autographs uh, for each other after the game?
1: Yeah, we, we were doing Jersey exchanges. Um, uh, we started getting charged for them actually because people were doing them so often. Like that was kind of the start of, they were happening. And people were like, wait a second, you know, where's, where's his Jersey? And all of a sudden, you know, there's a, re- Eli doesn't have a Jersey and they're like, well, we need to start charging for it. So they started charging. No way. For it, so, I, so I think it, it, it dipped down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's community, right. It's yeah. camaraderie. And, um, yeah, you, know, you see it a lot with guys. You know, played in the same college. You know, I would trade jerseys with guys that were BC guys, just mm-hmm. you know, because it meant something a little bit more. Uh, and I mean, it really is a brotherhood. And you're around the you know, when you get around these guys in the off season, there are no teams. Right? You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you play for the Eagles and I play for the Giants, or you play for the Cowboys. Like we're actually probably better friends than other teams because we play against each other so often that we know each other better and we study each other and we can appreciate each other's talents. Right. And I think that's a, the biggest rivalries are amongst fans, right? There's mm-hmm. very few rivalries amongst players um, in professional football, you know, more so definitely people wore their college colors a little bit truer, but you know, your, your NFL team could change at any moment. You could be teammates tomorrow.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You say that because we see the the deep rooted rivalries, especially in the NFC East, among the fan base. But like you said, players are there's the free agency era, getting trade and every. You can't be part. Of, you can't say it's always odd to me when you see a longtime Eagle wearing a Cowboy uniform, like Jason Peters did last year, or whatever it may be. Randall Cunningham way back, but Harold Carmichael even. But th- it's a job and it's an opportunity to go out there. Tell me a little bit about your spiritual growth, Mark, and your journey from BC to everything that you went through, and 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 health issues, and and how you overcame that, and and how God was such a big part of your life throughout.
1: Yeah, no, I you know I played football at Boston College, and um, you know, really when I was there, you know, I didn't have a, a, a very good. I didn't have any faith, really. Um, I grew up in a Christian household, but uh, never was, you know, practicing Christian or really walked with God. And then was diagnosed with bone cancer my senior year of college, and it was I had like a 10% chance of survival. And, and when that happens, wow. uh, you turn somewhere and, you know, you, you don't know where to turn. And uh, I had someone reach out to me um, really randomly that I didn't even know. Him. Uh, and he, he called me and, and encouraged me to pray. And he encouraged me to start, uh, to start praying. And that's really where it started. And the prayer, uh, went from habitual, uh, to a relationship, um, pretty quickly, uh, with Christ. Uh, but I still didn't know anything about, him, right. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so that's when my education piece started. And I started, I found a, a local church, uh, poured into the church, you know, um, got mentors and people to look up to uh, and then read the Bible. And that's, that was a life changing experience. I actually, I, uh, first I read a mere Christianity by CS Lewis. Uh, oh. And then I was like, all right, like I'm in. And then I was like, I need to read the Bible though, to be really in. <laughs> and so I read the Bible uh, and yeah, gave my life to Christ after that. And it, I've been you know, fortunate enough to uh, have met my wife actually um, before we uh, were both, uh, Christian, um, she was probably more so than I was. But then we both have journeyed together, and you know, it's it's how we raise our children—God uh, first, and and then then our family, and then the rest. And so uh, it's been an amazing blessing. And the NFL community, <clears throat> excuse me, has been amazing in that development because my my mentors and everybody who I said, hey, I I know someone in my locker room I can lean on and I can be friends with. Um, who knows more about God than I do, right? And that was that was huge for me. Well,
0: who are some, who are some of those guys that may have played like a, an instrumental role helping you out in, in those moments? If if you're okay with sharing.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of one of the first ones that comes to mind is David Carr. Uh, mm-hmm. He was veteran quarterback at, at um, uh, the Giants when I was there, um, and he was a guy who you know, just he lived out his faith. Uh, and uh, went to a couple of PAO conferences with him, um, and he was the guy that I just you know I would consistently ask like, hey, I, you know this this seems not this seems so countercultural. How can this be true, right? So many things like that in the Bible where dude, he would just sit down and explain it to me. I'm like, look, this is this is really what the Bible says, and this is what we believe. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't look like that out there. Um, he was he was one of those guys, and then through. Through the NFLPA, actually being on that board and, and, and sitting with Ben Watson and Matt Hasselbeck, uh, those were two other guys who you know, have been mentors and still are mentors. All three of them uh, in my in my walk of Christ. Well,
0: wow, that's that's an incredible journey that you went on, Mark, and it's awesome to see everything that you're doing and, and that you've you've been through and, and how you over you overcame and and how much God is such a big part of your life and continues to be. I know your involvement and your work with. IJM International Justice Mission is so important to you. Tell us a little bit about some of that and, and, and how you came to really want to be involved. I know it's something that you and I, we've talked about this in the past. I'm passionate about, my wife is passionate about, and, and we just love the partnership. When, when did that become something that you really decided, hey, I, I really want to help in this way?
1: Yeah, well, so I, I was introduced to, to International Justice Mission, IJM, um, uh, almost 10 years ago uh, at a, a PAO conference. And um, I was introduced to it, and, and I appreciated the work, uh, and we supported it, and we did some events for, for IJM. Uh, and then when my playing career ended, um, I I wanted to do something different, right? I, I'd done football for a long time. I love football, and um, I felt like I wanted to do something more for the world, right? football felt small to me. Uh, I felt very, you know, like, hey, this is, this is a, a, a small portion of, of the world. That that was part of my ministry, but I wanted to expand it. How could I have my, my personal ministry grow uh, greater than what I currently was at? Uh, and an opportunity came up with IJM. Uh, and IJM is uh, an unbelievable organization that, that fights against human trafficking and modern-day slavery. Uh, there are offices all over the world, over 2,000 employees, um, and uh, the, the mission uh, is to protect people from violence, right? You, you talk about uh, the problem uh, facing impoverished areas, and, and yeah, they don't have water, right? They don't have school, and there's a lot of things, but it's, you know, the problem of violence uh, that is holding uh, a lot of uh, any progress back, right? And so- IJM attacks that problem, the, the issue of violence, uh, and have an amazing team of lawyers and investigators and social workers all over the planet uh, that rescue children and families from slavery. Um, you know, they they directly combat you know online sex trafficking of children. You know all the all the terrible you know, trafficking things that you think about. IJM uh, is the tip of that spear, uh, and they're the ones working directly with the local police, training them, going on missions and executing those missions and taking the children uh, and restoring them back to safety uh, and back with their families. And so like that, that to me, I was like, okay, I can get involved with that. So uh, I helped lead a group called Team Freedom as a part of IJM, which is a bunch of pro athletes that have come together about, there's about 150 pro athletes uh, that have said, hey, look, I want to be a part of this as well and uh, they lend their name, they lend their support, um, and, and they give financially uh, to help further the mission.
0: That's incredible, and uh, I've had the, the opportunity, the privilege to talk to and chat with and get to know some of those guys, and it, it's really cool to see the impact that IJM is making in worldwide. And as we approach bigger-type events, Mark, like the Super Bowl and, and other things, do you feel like some of the these – the trafficking is elevated at those times?
1: Yeah, so there's a there's a kind of a a a misnomer, and it's really a myth, that the Super Bowl is the largest a like, human trafficking day of the year. And it's it's really not. Um mm. there's just a lot more of it concentrated in one location, right? So mm. um anytime you have anytime you have uh you know bunch of private airplanes coming in and out of places to place you know to be a high alert but the i think the reality right which people don't want to realize like it happens all the time all over the world and like all the time and it's happening right now right it, it's always happening and so um i think like it's very good that there's was, there was so much awareness around that super bowl and around these big events because yes concentrated in las vegas there's going to be a massive task force that's working to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? But it's still happening, uh, everywhere and especially with online sexual, sex trafficking right now, um, where you can purchase, um, uh, purchase shows and direct them overseas. Um, it's happening all over the place. So it's, it's a big, the a big thing to battle. Um, but it's worth the fight.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's happening everywhere, every day. Not just at the major events, but in in communities where we are. And, and too many people think it's it's something happening somewhere else, or they they don't know about it. And it's great to be able to bring this to the forefront, but even more so to be able to to do something about it. So I, I love the work that you and IJM have been doing, continue to do, and truly appreciate that. And looking forward to seeing you again at the Super Bowl and, and like I said earlier having some of our listeners listen to your conversations with some of the players Mark so really uh, enjoyed this and and can't wait to get going man I appreciate it and I'll see you in Vegas.
1: Thanks Rob can't wait man take care.
0: That's it for this week thank you to Mark thank you to Doug, Pastor Scott and everyone on our team and thank you for listening to Faith on the Field Show. For Remy I'm Rob Motte reminding you make a difference be a blessing. <laughs> Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action, get information, understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free.